Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of... Gosh, every time we shoot Game Nights and then I do the show, I always want to say Game Nights. Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm DJ. Boy, falling apart already, Have, have you been working hard, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long few days, but, but I'm excited because this was your idea, and I think it's something our show doesn't do enough, which is talk about budget. Budget stuff, cheaper cards. We're... We're pretty well known and we get called out on it sometimes and rightfully so for like often talking about the very expensive cards. I think there needs to be some balance. You know, yeah. you have the high roller episodes. You need a few budget episodes thrown in there. Yeah, I think that is definitely fair. And I'm glad you're here to pull us in that direction. I'm sure the audience will be glad too. <laughs> now you're going to hear about some budget cards today because we're going to be talking about the, we're, we each made a list of our top five budget blue cards. If you hear any on the list that you like and want to get a hold of, I would encourage you to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your cards, singles, anything at all, you're supporting this podcast, Game Nights, all of our content. We super appreciate it. And while you're there, I keep talking about these. Have you sleeved up any of your decks in the new sleeves yet? No, I haven't. Uh, but I did one of my Simic decks. Ooh. Because we got some uh, some Simic ones in from Ultra Pro, and I was like, those are mine, thank you. <laughs> um, but I want to do a, a couple other ones of my two-color decks. These these uh, guild sleeves from Ultra Pro are really, really sweet. And we saw you do the stress test last week. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're super strong. They look really good. Yeah. So definitely check those out. Again, Ultra Pro has all of the theme stuff for Guild of Ravnica, including the shock glands on playmats and deck boxes, things like that. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You can contribute to us straight away. Our patrons are the best. They get a number of perks. My favorite one is that you get to watch game nights before anybody else. So we do have a really cool game nights that, well, I just alluded to because we shot it this weekend. It's not coming out for uh, about a month. That's about how long post-production takes. But if you join Patreon, you'll be able to watch it before all of your friends. And then you can hold it over their head. Unless all your friends are also patrons. Which I assume they are, because you have good friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, one last thing I want to talk about. I mentioned it last week. I am involved in a charity event with Wait, Card Kingdom. We need to shout out our member. 
Oh yeah, sorry. That's sorry. why. That's one oh, thing we do is yes, we, yes. we shout out our member. And this one's got a cool name. From patron. Yeah, yeah. Patron. So one thing we do for Patreon, sorry, is we dedicate each episode to one lucky patron, and this episode is dedicated to Levi Lunsford. Levi, you rock. Levi has one of those superhero names. Oh really? You know, like the, the double L, like Peter Parker, Levi well, Lunsford. Yeah, yeah, Levi Lunsford, Lex Luthor, Clark Kent. They always you mentioned have Lex Luthor, the bad guy. Bruce Banner. I'm just well, <laughs> superhero world name. You could be a villain, Levi. Vicky Vale. That's okay. Don't let Josh put you <laughs> cast type you. You could be a Lex Luthor if you one. wanted to. Okay, sure, sure, Levi. Whatever floats your boat. Okay, sorry. Back to the charity event thing. So I'm involved in something called the Chalice with Card Kingdom. And the proceeds are going to the Big Sisters and Big Brothers um, of Puget Sound, which is a very good cause. I'm going to be in Seattle on the 20th and 21st of October at Mox Boarding House. A lot of other magic personalities, the Professor, Kenji, Ashlyn Rose, Jerry Thompson, James from Loading Ready Run, uh, um, uh, Chris Van Meter. Dude, the list is insane. Yeah. The people. And if you are following on Twitter, we're doing some activities over Twitter, like we're doing a block draft party i have to build like a modern deck from blocks that i draft it's really you got to follow along on twitter but also so far i saw and this will be way in the past for them but you picked innistrad as your first thing yes i have m11 and innistrad i have a plan so i don't want to give it away so nobody can like so kenji can't come in and block me (laughs) yeah still 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 Uh, yeah but my plan doesn't come together if i don't get the donation levels to be able to pick in the right spot so you can help me do well in the charity tournament by going and donating and that um link will be in the show notes okay let's go to our budget top five budget blue cards all right what do we mean by budget is, oh, it, is, yeah. this a, is this a Josh Lee Kwai budget? Like anything under $20? I think we, we decided upon <laughs> under $2. So any no card that we talk about can be over $2 at the time of this recording. I think that's a good place to be. It's just like you say like, oh, it's a couple bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most players have access to something they can at least trade in value for a, a couple of dollars. You know, once you start getting about $10, it starts getting a little bit difficult. But yeah. most people just with like something they don't care about too much can get a hold of a $2 card. I feel like if it reaches a certain level where it's like a lunch or a piece of cardboard, I feel I feel kind of mm, You're not in budget that. range anymore. Yeah, you're not in budget range yeah. exactly. So as soon as you're like 5, 6, 7, I'm like mm, that's a real it's a real card we're talking about there. Uh but a lot of the ones that we're going to talk about today are like 25 cents, 50 cents. And so we're not always going to be talking about $2 cards. Yeah, we just allowed up to $2 just to, you know, we had to set some I, kind I pushed of limit. That, I pushed that on one of the cards. Oh, did you? Yeah, I'm like, $2. My real hope here is that by talking about these cards, we don't push any of them above the $2. That's the but plan, that isn't it, Josh? To, it sometimes happens, <laughs> and I can't help that. So You're, you're trying to be a financial mogul. <laughs> <laughs> with $2 with these, cards. With these $2 no. cards. Okay, so let's talk about the criteria we use before we get into listing the cards as far as like how we decided which cards were on our list and also what order to place them. So I don't know about you, but my list five to one, I did place in order of what I thought was like the number one, number two, number three. Yeah, I did something similar to that too. Yeah. So what was your criteria? Well, I used three criteria and we discussed this. We did our list separately, but then when we were talking about the criteria, we kind of discussed it and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So my criteria was the power level of the card, what I considered the bang for the buck. The usefulness of the card in a variety of decks and strategies. So a card can be very powerful, but if it's only good in like one type of deck or one deck I can think of, then it's going to get dinged 
for that. Doesn't mean it can't be on the list, but it would just be a, a yeah. mitigating factor. And then the last criteria I used was uniqueness of effect. Basically, is the card easily replaceable by other cards? Even if the other cards that replace it are like slightly less efficient or not quite as good, or um, does this effect stand in for an effect that is otherwise very expensive or very powerful? So a unique effect that costs a lot of money, and this is a budget replacement for it, a close analog, Yeah. then I would give that sort of some bonus points. Yeah, and so, and you actually placed it in that order. Like the power level is one of the first things that you're thinking about. Right. Uh, I actually use the same criteria as Josh, independent of him, but I switched them around a little bit. I put the uniqueness of effect uh, as one of the top things I'm looking for. I want this powerful effect, but I also want cards that are unique and also uh, are budget replacements so that your deck can function like those other decks uh, with those powerful, expensive cards. Yeah, it's interesting that our criteria was the same, but we just sort of weighted each area differently. And I think, you know, everyone's going to do that to some extent when they're deciding what cards they want. But these are cards that I think your list, my list, you could pick these cards up. They're pretty cheap and they're going to be able to do great things in a lot of your decks. Totally. Uh, one thing that we also did is we didn't want to just have generic blue cards be the podcast like that's not interesting and that's why we had that criteria of uniqueness but one thing that we wanted to stay away from is just looking at the most played cards on edh rack and picking out the cheap budget blue cards and we can actually notice something by uh looking at them there are counter spells uh counter spell arcane denial negate those are all in like the top those, 20 or exactly so. those yeah. are all budget counter spells all in the top 20 of most played blue cards uh, we don't want to be suggesting cards you're already playing in your decks and that are already everywhere. Uh, another thing that we see over and over again is the card draw. So we saw Brainstorm, Factor Fiction, Ponder, all of these card draw spells, again, repeated over and over again and very budget-friendly cards. I think also that sort of, it speaks to one of our criteria, the uniqueness of the effect. You know, Counterspell... Arcane Denial, Negate, very similar cards. Honestly, like let's say you have a Counterspell or you don't have a Counterspell in your deck and I say, hey, go pick up a Counterspell and you put it in instead of a, I don't know, uh, Cancel. How, which just basically the same card, but it just costs one less. How much better is your deck? I mean, it is better. You can measure it by one mana, but... Like, I mean, but your win percentage <laughs> percentage is probably almost identical, right? Unnoticeable, I would say. Yeah. And I would like even that. argue, some people would argue that some of those three mana counter spells, like what's the new one that surveils? It's right. early on in the set. There's a new three mana counter, counter dog spell surveil. That's at least close to equal to counter spell. And like, I don't even, the, people can argue that that one's even better. So how good is counter spell really? But to me, that's just not a really good way to improve your deck that much mm -hmm. because you're playing so much in the margins with cards like that. So any effect that there's just a lot of it, I think any single one of those can fill in. And so each one of them is just kind of less valuable regardless of the price because, well, I can have any of these 10 things that yeah. do sort of this effect. And so, uh, again, also just not fun to talk about. Okay. Yeah. So... Number five, I guess we should do my five, then your five, and then sure. work our way towards one. Yeah. Okay, so my number five, hold on, let me fire it up on my phone here so I read it correctly. All right, my number five is Insidious Will. Ooh. This is a card I've actually been finding myself putting in more and more decks. So it's two blue blue for an instant. It says choose one, counter target spell, or you may choose new targets for target spell, or copy target instant or sorcery spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. 
So it's a counter spell, it's a redirect, or twin cast. Twin cast. Is sorry, the blue, blue blue one. Blue, yeah, yeah. Um, That's so flexible. Now, granted, it costs two more than each one of those spells: counter spell, redirect, twin cast. Right. But having choice when you need it is amazing. I put this in a similar category to um, Cryptic Command and Mystic Confluence. Now, it's not the exact same, but it can fill a, a similar role in that you have a flexibility on a counter spell. You have the ability to, you know, a lot of times you're like, you pass. And if it's a board wipe, I'm going to counter it. But if it's a single target removal spell, well, I'm going to redirect it to something else. And if somebody says, well, I'm going to play this spell that draws me a bunch of cards or does some effect that I want, takes an extra turn. Oh, well, I want one of those. And that package of, Or you play a spell and you want to copy your own spell. Yep, that's also definitely something that you can do, although four mana makes it pretty difficult. But yeah, this is just a really, really good card. And I've even put it in decks that have Crypto Command or Mystic Confluence. Like it, it can go alongside those. It's not always just replacing those. So we have raw power level. We also have an important effect that you need and it kind of subs in for some of those expensive cards that we were talking about, like uh, the Cryptic Command and Mystic Confluence. It sounds like it fits our criteria perfectly for a strong card. Yeah, there's not a specific deck that it necessarily goes into. I mean, a big mana deck that's casting big X spells would maybe want the fork part a little bit more, mm -hmm. but in general, like these modes are all pretty good and you're gonna use them in, you know, to some degree, you're gonna want them in any kind of deck you're playing. I also like that this fulfills a role of blue, it's counter, but it's also that tricky aspect. Blue has this fun trickiness to it, where it's mm -hmm. like, you never know what's gonna happen, and if your spell just fizzles, whatever, but the redirect, oh man, that's where you really, really have those fun moments. All right, my number five. Jimmy, Jimmy favorite. Ooh, is Ixodron. Three blue blue for a star star illusion. When Ixodron enters the battlefield, turn all other non-token creatures face down. They're two two creatures. That's the reminder text. Ixodron's power and toughness are each equal to the number of face down creatures on the battlefield. This is a creature based board wipe, but it board wipes in the most unique way possible. This takes care of hexproof, indestructible, commanders yeah commanders just get flipped face down they don't go to the command zone yeah they're just their sitting abilities there are off as blank tutus funnily enough they still deal commander damage that is that is funny yeah <laughs> it won't matter because they're a tutu with no abilities but still uh this was played to great effect by jimmy in one of our game nights episodes the one with uh gabby sparks and kenji numatanami egashira this card is ridiculous when i saw it on your list it. i was like oh man it. why did i not think of that yeah, if you copy it, well, then Gabby copied it five times. It's not legendary. Uh, but also, you can, you know, you can bounce it. You can oh, flicker yeah. it. So you can sort of keep this effect. Um, Vinny loves it in his uh, morph deck because... I mean, that's just, that's real synergy right there. But I, get, I think it's not even bad in non-morph decks. Oh, yeah. You never not, have a morph at all. Not at all. And we should talk about, I think that there's some, some things people get confused about this card. Okay. So let's say I have a board full of creatures. You play that. It flips over my creatures. You cannot flip them back over. They're not morphs or manifests. They're not. Yeah, they're not manifests. Yeah. And in, if they are a morph, you can unmorph them. Yes, exactly. A morph card doesn't care how why it's face down. It just cares that it is, and then you can use that ability. But if it doesn't have morph, then you can't flip it up. I, I think a lot of people think. Yeah, because manifest, manifest kind of confused a lot of people with how Exodron works. Nope, they're stuck there as face down 
two two creatures. Yeah, unless you can blink it or bounce it back to your hand or or put it in your graveyard and then bring it back out. Like, yeah, it. A lot of things are just like, oh crap. So this replaces or this fills the role of a lot of different, much more expensive board wipes that deal with problematic situations. Uh, Cyclonic Rift is better than this. But this can answer some questions or some issues that Cyclonic Rift might have trouble with. Yeah. This shuts down commanders really well. And there are so few cards in our format that do that now. And there are certain colors that just have a really, a much harder time with this kind of lockdown on their commander than as if you had killed it or put it back their hand. Oh, yeah. Or put it back in the command zone. Certain ones are like, okay, well, I can't sack it and I can't blink it. Uh, you know... What will happen, and you'll notice this on game nights, is that two of your opponents can kind of team up and be like, hey, I'll attack my commander yeah. into you, and then you block with your commander, and we'll both get our commanders back into the command zone. That's fine. If if you kind of board wipe them, and then they have to engineer yeah. attacks and blocks to work together against you, then, yeah, like it's you, fine. your card has been powerful enough to have two players team up. It's a powerful effect. Yeah, I like Exodron a lot. And when you do get into those situations where you're blinking it or replaying it, oh my gosh. It's just, it can be miserable. <laughs> you're just like, oh, my creatures are never going to turn face up, right? Uh, yeah, I dig it. Okay. My next one is Stroke of Genius. I've mentioned this card on the podcast uh, quite a few times. I play it in, I don't want to say all, but <laughs> almost all decks with blue in it. It's a blue two generic, and X. A weird casting cost. It's an instant, and it says target player draws X cards. So you play a blue, two, and then... So it's three mana on its base, and then whatever you pump into it, that a target player will draw that many cards. Normally, it's you drawing the cards. So it's four mana, draw a card. Right. That doesn't sound very good. Doesn't sound good. <laughs> doesn't sound good. It is 12 mana, draw nine cards, though. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and with forks and insidious wills and other things, it can get out of hand, um, you know, or infinite mana situations. This is a game winner because you pointed at your opponent. That's so right. yeah. they have to draw, you know, you say you draw 970 cards. You know, they obviously can't do that. This, and it's an instant. I think if this card was a sorcery, because there is this card as a sorcery, yeah. like a uh, brain geyser, brain geyser, which is actually harder to cast. Yeah, it's blue, blue, blue. Uh, there's no, a, there's so there's blue, blue, oh, blue, blue is brain, is brain geyser. geyser, but then also blue, there's blue the one that blue shuffles Zena. back in. Yeah, blue suns and blue suns is, is still very, very good. I like stroke of genius better, but I think if if it said sorcery, I I think I would play it like one third to one quarter as much. I don't think I would play it at all. Yeah, but it's yeah. so good because and again it's in blue. I think this is in you know. Maybe if this is in white or in green, uh, where I don't have a lot of other instant speed options, I'm, it's not as good, right? Because blue is often just like, okay, go. I'll figure out what I'm doing during your turn, depending on what you do. And one of the things when nothing bad happens is I'll just draw a bunch of cards. Yeah. Yeah. I think Josh hit on an important part about this specific card in Commander. A lot of times we see cards that are really low casting costs to be able to draw. Those cantrips, the preordain and ponder and uh, brainstorm and all this other stuff. Those are way better in other formats where you can't get up to the 12 mana that Josh mentioned. Later on in Commander, all of those cantrips, they might give you some value as they churn through your deck, but this gives you so much more raw card advantage. It really matches with our format better than some of those other little very simple effects that only give you card selection and maybe those cantrip effects. Yeah. I think the fact that this does have dual usage as a finisher, and I've killed many mm -hmm. people with Stroke of Genius before, 
that's how I like my cards to work, right? In a modest situation, draw four cards. It's not the end of the world. Is it the most efficient thing? No, but it's it's not bad. In a good situation, draw 10 cards is great. And in a great situation, kill my opponent. One thing that I like as well is that this might be the best version of the draw card. There is no other version that's better than it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're thinking like, I need to draw a massive amount of cards at instant speed because I'm going to have a huge amount of mana. That is the card you go to. There's not like a $10 version that we're all avoiding because it's too much outside the budget. Yeah, I mean, Sphinx's Revelation maybe, which is harder to cast and it's in two color. Can't go in the same things. It gains you a little bit of life, but honestly, Stroke of Genius can be better in a lot of instances because when with cost reductions, that two colorless can go away in a lot of different decks. You're thinking of Mizzix, aren't you? Mizzix, and and, and there's other things that sort of reduce the colorless cost of a spell. Mm -hmm. A lot of those... Baral or Chase's Sanctum, uh, which a lot of Spellslinger decks that would play an instant speed draw spell would play. But I definitely have this card in in decks that don't have that stuff too. So Mm -hmm. it's just... just, You you feel pretty good when you have this in your hand. Nice pick, Josh. I like it. Let's let's go to your number four. My number four is... Oh, this is a good one. Diluvian Primordial. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Diluvian Whenever Primordial... Whenever this actually lands, it's just like, oh, crap. Is five blue-blue for a 5-5 five, five avatar with flying. And when Diluvian Primordial enters the battlefield, for each opponent... You may cast up to one target instant or sorcery card from that player's graveyard without paying its mana cost... If a card cast this way would be put into graveyard this turn, exile it instead. This is built for our format. This thing is bonkers. Oh my gosh. We're, you're playing at a four-player table. That means you get a 5-5 five, five flyer for seven, but then you cast three spells. If you cast a ramp spell, sure, why not? You cast a card draw spell, sure, why not? But this has the top end of casting things like rise of the from the dark realms i've seen that or happen. yeah i've seen it happen too or just the cards that you desperately need it's so amazing and this is another um example kind of like stroke of genius of maybe we see cards that are hey it's a creature that's got some value tacked onto it that's a good card but then you take it up to commander levels and it really really gets pushed uh mold drifter is a great card that right. we, we play all the time it's another one of these cards that's kind of in that top 30 budget cards uh, but i'm kind of like thinking well mold drifter's got kind of a ceiling there it's only can get so good right diluvian primordial it can straight win you the boom! game boom it just goes all the way to the top boom it has and it does that other cool thing that blue does too which is like messing with your opponents yeah messing with them taking their spells for your own i i just think it's great I like cards when they're expensive like this that you actually don't want to... Expensive mana cost, CMC. Mm -hmm. You actually don't want to cast Diluvian Primordial on turn three or four, right? It's unlikely to get you anything good. So it's the type of effect that, yeah, I actually want to wait for it so I don't actually feel when I'm holding it like it's holding me back exactly. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? I mean, the 5-5 flyer part would, of course, be good on turn three, but it's commander. It's not going to be that great. I really need some things to happen, some mill to happen, some people to cast some stuff, and then I drop this down, and yeah. I mean, I've seen games where it's literally just like, well, that's it. Like, we lose. It just wins the game. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've hit uh, (laughs) Rise from the Dark Realms, and uh, what's the one that gives you time stretch? Yeah. Before. That's what I was just going to say. Maybe was I in the game with you when you did that? I don't know. Because I have, I definitely have (laughs) seen a Rise from the Dark Realms into um, an extra turn spell, which was just just like, oh. Everyone's just like, 
<laughs> yeah, crap. No, you just cast like 20 <laughs> mana worth of stuff. I think the best part is that you're just going to say like, all right, you look around, you're like, all right, guys, what's in those graveyards? And yeah. Everyone's kind of like, oh man, what is it this time? <laughs> what is it? And you go through the graveyards and you just kind of go shopping through your opponent's graveyards. I love it. The, all, all the primordials are good, but that one's really good. And it's in the blink colors again. Yeah. So that is, I you know. I've I seen people reuse is, it, and, and it just gets a. I think that this is one of the powerful. best ones. Like, yeah. this one and Sepulchral Primordial are... Those are probably the top two. The yeah. top two. Yeah. Um, Sylvan Primordial might have been the top one until it was banned. Until it was banned, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number three? Is that what we're on? Number three. All right. My number three is a very powerful card, and there's an entire legacy deck built around it. For whatever reason, I don't see it a lot in Commander, and I think more people should probably play it. I think more budget players should probably play it, honestly, because as a budget player, you need a little more explosivity than a non-budget player. I, mm. I think you need a little bit more surprise, and you might be willing to give up a little bit of value. Because this might have more variance, but you want to grab onto that variance because you might not have that val that long-term value that you're talking about. If you're playing in a group cards. and like you know the other people in your group or or a couple other people have like very expensive cards eventually they're going to draw those cards the longer those games go on right and so if you have a chance to sort of have a spiky spiky that means competitive to have like a high variance play like you said mm -hmm. and it just shortens the game sometimes that could give you more wins you could steal wins and this card is a steal wins type of card also in competitive edh it's just a wins type of card it's high tide Ooh. It's one blue for an instant. Very cheap card, 50 cents or so. Until end of turn, whenever a player taps an island for mana, that player adds blue mana to his or her mana pool. So it makes all your islands tap for two blue, basically. Or if you have dual lands, they will tap for... It's whenever you tap an island for mana. So if you tap a volcanic for a red, you can also you'll also get a blue because mm -hmm. it's a mountain island or the steam vents or whatever. It works with those things, the have lands... We've got a lot more lands. There's the cycling lands that have yeah, land they types all have now. Land types, yeah, yeah. I, I would say if your deck is three color or more, high tide's probably out. You probably can't do it. Yeah. You need to have a pretty easy scenario where it gives you at least four mana. It costs one, and then it's just dark ritual, hmm. and that's fine. But that's at the low end. That's fine. Like you're gonna get four mana sometimes, and that might be enough for you to do something explosive. But sometimes you get ten. I can see how this is like you're describing a, a high variance play, very explosive, a little bit risky because you are using a card to get this effect. Yes. And so you better get a lot of mana and a lot of acceleration to make it worth you being down a card. And another downside of the card is it's 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 symmetrical. So islands your opponents tap for mana. It says whenever a player taps an island for mana. Mm. So you have to be careful with that too because blue is kind of the most played color or it's at least tied with green, I'd say. And so you have to look around and be like, what untapped mana is out there because I don't want to be giving you... <laughs> Does Josh have Vidalcan Ori out in yeah. a bunch of untapped islands? Yeah. So yes, there's downside, but the upside is huge. The upside is I get basically an extra turn's worth of mana right now, which means that I can leapfrog and make my play, my game-winning play or the one where I lock up the game, a turn early. That's a great way of saying it. You know, a lot of times we've talked about the critical point in a game is when you can play multiple spells a turn or when you can sort of double spell. And this kind of jumps you a turn ahead because you invest one blue and then suddenly, boom, you have double the mana and you can jump that extra turn ahead and really commit to the board, really make your big play. Yeah. It also can be good. It's an instant, so stroke of genius or something, you know, once in a while, you're just like, I'll just use this to draw three extra cards. And then it's not 
you know, it's not losing a card. Blue's also the card draw color, and in general, you could afford more to waste a card on just mana than, say, red or white could. The same card in red or white, not as good. The losing of that card is just, it hits you harder than if you're in blue. I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay. My number three is another powerful flyer. It's Tidespout Tyrant. <laughs> this card's ridiculous. Five blue, blue, blue for a five, five flying gin. And whenever you cast a spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand. Return target permanent. Permanent. Yeah. And the spell doesn't have to resolve either. It's just casting spells. So this does cost a lot of mana to hit the battlefield. A lot. Eight. <laughs> and it's hard to cast spells after you've paid eight to get this on the battlefield. But this has so much potential for just controlling the game after that. I love that it's also just any permanent. So you can save your own stuff, rebuy your own spells, save your Tidespout Tyrant. So when you start getting a certain critical mass of mana, you can just start gaining value and bouncing things all over the place. It's an incredibly powerful effect. Yeah, and blue does have a lot of those low cast cost stuff. We were talking about the brainstorms and the ponders and the things like that that are highly played, also cheap. They're great with a card like Tidespout Tyrant. Because you can bounce stuff, and also, like you said, you can you can use those now to save the Tidespout Tyrant when they go after it. And that means you maybe have to hold one or two mana open. Um, and then if they don't do that, the fact that it bounces lands is... Because I've definitely <laughs> been yep. in games where like I got Tidespout Tyranted off the battlefield because they just went, there goes that land, there goes that land, there goes that land, and I'm like, okay, well, I have two lands. Yep. <laughs> like, I'm not winning this game now. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, another thing is that this was just reprinted in Battle Bond, and so uh, what used to be a four dollar card is now a fifty cent card. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, that's true. Because I was like, is that two dollars? Like when you put it on the list, I didn't realize. Yeah, because a little while ago yeah. it was kind of like you're like, ah, oh, it's like a fringe card. It's kind of cool, but it's like way too much money for the effect it is because it's an eight, it is an eight CMC creature. Yeah. Uh, so you were like, eh, maybe not, and then Battle Bond comes out, and suddenly. It's a 50 cent card, but people don't know to give it a try in their cool decks. I know why you like it. Braids. I, it is in my braids. Deck, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I braids it out and yeah. then I play a few and spells you play a bunch and of spells. I bounce all of their braid stuff. Oh, you're like, what'd you braids it? Okay, well, no, it's back to your yeah, hand it's now. Back to your hand. <laughs> you monster. Okay, my next one is one that we talked about on the episode. We had the Magic Man Stam, Sam from Ristic Studies on, and this is a card that stands in for Force of Will. I guess this is Force here. I am. Is an expensive I've card. got a I've got a card that stands in for Cryptic Command and Mystic Confluence, and now I've got a card that stands in for Force of Will. And you know, hey, listen, you like those effects, and they're I powerful. Don't, and I don't have unlimited Force of Wills. Like I don't know. I know people think we have. Well, every you have alliances card. Force of Wills. Yeah, so unlimited. <laughs> I have, I have a couple Force of Wills, but I have thirty EDH decks. I don't have Force of Wills for all those decks. And Foil is my replacement in a lot of them. Now it's kind of like High Tide. You need to be in a deck with a high amount of blue in it. I don't think three color and onward maybe can play it. Maybe mm -hmm. three. It's two blue blue for an instant. It says you may discard an island card and another card rather than pay foil's mana cost. And then you counter target spell. So like force of will, you have to discard a card. But in this case, you have to discard two. And one of them must be an island. Mm -hmm. That is a real downside. There will be times when you can't cast foil that way. Which is okay because a lot of those times you can still just pay the four and cast it. I think people forget, like, listen, that's not what you want to do. 
But it's still there, and right. that's still a fine counterspell. And you have to think of why is Force of Will so good? And the answer is Tidespout Tyrants, or its equivalent. You want to make a big play. Mm-hmm. You want to protect the play. The difference between playing Tidespout Tyrant when you have 8 mana and playing it when you have 10 mana so you can protect it oh, it's huge. is 3 or 4 turns sometimes. Yeah, That's a really big difference in the game. So much more can have happened from your opponent. They're ready for it. If you do something and you can do it as early as possible and protect it, that's often enough to win the game. And that's why Force of Will is so powerful. And Foil can do exactly what Force of Will does in that instance. In a lot of situations, you don't want to just spew your Force of Will in the early game. You want to, like you said, use it to protect something. A lot of times you've engineered the situation where you need to use Force of Will. You can also engineer Foil, where you have the win in hand, you have a lot of cards, you've been saving the island to pitch, and so you're engineering this win condition, and that really fulfills the same role as a lot of these free counterspells. When you do pull that off, it's the same as Force of Will. Yeah. Right? It's the exact same. So how many cards in the history of Magic can can do that? They're all expensive. Pact of Negation is the only really other one I can really think of. Yeah. And so zero mana, counter your thing. Pretty good. And you mentioned as well uh, with High Tide that blue doesn't cringe at that loss of card advantage as much as other colors do. And so some people might be going like, oh, two cards for one? Yeah, that's not good. You know, we're not saying that this is a great rate, but blue can handle it better than other colors. And again, you don't always have to do that. Sometimes just pay the four. You're not di- totally. you're not ditching any cards. All right. My number two card. This is a good one. In fact, this is the only one that when we put the list together was shared. I actually preemptively removed it from my list because I knew it was going to be on yours. But if if it, let's say I was doing this with Jimmy or somebody else, then it probably would have been on my list. It's so good. I don't know if I would have had it at number two, though. You really like oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. I think it's amazing. This <laughs> card is Future Sight. Uh, two blue, blue, blue for an enchantment. Play with the top card of your library revealed. You may play the top card of your library. So simple. Sounds so innocuous. So powerful. Yeah. So let's talk Let's talk card advantage. Let's talk about yep. enchantments that give us card advantage. So if we're talking about other colors, we have things like Phyrexian Arena, or maybe in blue even we have like the Howling Mine effects, like the Dictative Crucifix. Yep. Uh, those do give you some card advantage, but so few cards can actually give you multiple cards a turn. And even though Future Sight doesn't have that literally written on it, you can play a land from the top of your library, just like Oracle of Moldiah, you know, just like uh, Courser of uh, Crucifix. Yep. So we have that going in blue. Then you also have the ability to play multiple spells from the top of your library. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to impact the top of your library with cards like Aminatu or Brainstorm or Fetchlands. By the way, Divining Top becomes insane yes. because Divining Top, you tap it to draw a card and put the top back on top. And oh, it costs guess what one, happens? I can play it. Yeah, top costs one. You play it off the top of your library and then suddenly you're one extra card deeper. Yep. So it becomes one mana, draw, draw a card. card. Yep. Uh, how about how about this little combination for you? Possibility Storm. Three red red for an enchantment. Josh doesn't know this because it's like a goofy card. Yeah, I'm like, wait. Uh, three red red for a, for an enchantment. Yeah. 
and basically you might know this, you play a card, like you play but a sorcery. Plays, yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh no, you don't get to play that sorcery. You have to then go through your deck and then you cast the next sorcery that you hit. Oh, uh, because you can look at the top card, you know what it is. No, when you play cards off the top of your library, you're not playing them uh, from your hand. Oh, it says from your hand. This gets around all the things that shut off playing cards from your hand. Oh, so this is just a, mean. So this is a lock piece in many of these weird corner case combos where suddenly you're shut off from playing cards from your hand. But if you're playing from the top of your library, you get around it. That's interesting. I like this card a lot. I, uh, the downside, I think, is that sometimes there's double land on top and you're only allowed to still play one land for a turn. Mm -hmm. Or you can get stuck with like a large spell. Like if Tide Spout Tyrants is on top and you played Future Side on turn five, then you might not have the mana to cast it, in which case it can draw you zero cards sometimes. But then yep. there are times when you're like, you know, brainstorm, put something back down there cast that cast the next thing cast the next thing and you're like i drew four cards off this and thing think about what this what this kind of feels like it feels a little bit like kind of like sylvan library or oracle of moldiah or course of crucifix like all you're, awesome cards we're naming we're naming insane cards that yeah. cost a lot of money uh we're naming these effects that draw you multiple cards a turn and this costs a quarter it's pretty pretty good yeah i i don't see it as much as i probably should i never see it yeah i've, I've seen it a few times but it's pretty it's pretty rare, yeah. I mean, there are downsides because it is triple blue. True. That's a cost. It's five mana. It is. It's slow. It's five mana. One thing that's really good is that if you can play it on five, sometimes uh, you can play that land on top, or you sometimes yeah. you can get the in, the late, right in a late away. game. You can get some value right away. Rather well, than well, if you some already cards. have top, you well, can. I mean, well, top if, is often going to come out like before it, if yeah. you have it, and so then you can set up for a turn, a turn, you know, six where you play it first play the land off the top. You already drew the card off of it. You're kind of like, you're safe kind of in that territory. Yeah, I get it. I no. mean, unless you're just going to get mauled <laughs> in response for doing nothing. But I, that's not often in Commander. Yeah, I like that card a lot. I mean, when it's out there, it's very powerful. I, I don't know why I don't see it more. You guys can all solve that. Play it more. Okay, we're down to our number one. This is your number one. You, I'm a number one guy. We haven't said that in a while. Okay, mine is... I don't know why this card is so cheap. Is, has it been reprinted a lot? You're looking at a reprint right now. That's an expensive <laughs> reprint. For whatever reason, when you bring it up on Gather, the invocation reprint comes up. Um, Ooh, there's there's a hint for what card Josh is talking about. Have you guessed it yet? What is the budget $2 that there is a invocation version of? Actually, there's a few uh, cards that were sort of cheaper, I think, in the invocations, yeah. which is one of the reasons they stopped doing it. Okay. It's cap size. It's one blue blue for an instant. It has buyback three, which means if you pay three in addition to its casting cost, when you cast it, instead of putting it in the graveyard, you return it to owner's hand. And then it says return target permanent to its owner's hand. So it's a boomerang. But if you pay six, then you can just do it again for six and do it again. And this is, I mean, another card that nearly all blue decks that I play will play capsize. I think any deck that can generate infinite mana, this is a win condition. Yep. Because you just bounce everything because it says permanent. Yep. See how powerful this is compared to Tide Spout Tyrant? Like, I like Tide Spout Tyrant. It's a fun card. It, like, interacts with stuff. It's a big, dumb creature. This thing is crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's also, I often use capsize just for the three mana to save myself. You know, somebody's playing a Xenagos deck or something, and you're just like... I have this in my hand. That means it'll be difficult for me to die from them. I don't know that they're going to attack me or whatever, but if they do, it'll save me from that. But if not, 
I won't use it now and I'll save it until I have six, 12 mana. And then once you do, if you engineering a situation where you're sitting on your mana, like I like to do, and waiting till the end of turns to do things, you're just like, well, at the end of this turn, I'm just going to bounce two of your lands. Oh. Go to my turn. That's untenable for your opponent. This Gosh. card will win you the games even without going infinite. I think people think, oh, I have to generate infinite mana for this to be good. Not true at all. Not true at all. I mean, it's great. I mean, you just win if you generate infinite yes, mana. Yes, true. Which, true. Is, which is, for the top end of a card, is awesome. Yeah. But it's, I think, I think it, I mean, I just can't understand why it's not a little bit spendier why it's yeah let's let's talk about like because you just mentioned this it's like base level uh save me from marauding huge creature that's going to smack me in the face or craig's infect creature doubling season um because it is target permanent i think if it was just creature two it would be way worse but nev's disc so that's the baseline yeah and then the top end is like well if i get in the right situation i just win the game yeah this card yeah that's flexibility and also in the middle, it's still good to do it just twice. You know, there's there's been certainly games where I'm like, buy it back once with, I only have three mana left, just cast it again. And that's just going to get me what I need. And now like your recovery time is just, you're, you're, you can't win now. This also interrupts a lot of combos. I yep. think that's really strong too, is that people try to assemble their combination. And then you're like, yeah, I'll just say, we'll, I'll save us all. And yeah. then you bounce something. I'll bounce something. Yep. Love this card. You feel so safe when you have it. I like cards that make me feel safe. <laughs> it's funny. People get this idea that I'm like Mr. Counterspell player or something where it's like, if Josh, you, you do have uh, two counterspells on this. Yeah. Where you've played with me though. I'm not a counter everything type of player. No, you're I'm not. very much a pinpoint wait. Like, Oh my gosh, I need to laser beam that thing. But everything else you're doing, I'd let happen until the moment that, by the way, that's how you should play counterspells. If you want to <laughs> win more games. I'm being totally honest. Like when we, when we talked about one of my first episodes on here, my first episode on here was playing control. Right. You don't just spew counter spells all over the place. People hate you and you're not using the card advantage to your, to your right. own advantage. Uh, so you need to target your counter spells and that's the way Josh plays. And that's what cards like this do for you. And I would say that most of my decks have fewer than four counter spells. It's like swan song foil. Um, Maybe an insidious will, huh? you know, maybe that's a regular, a good, maybe a that's regular a good package spell. right there. Yeah. And that, it's good. And I'm just using it. You know, I'm going to save myself one time or protect my thing one time. And that's why I'm not going to use it, you know, until I really, really have to, because I don't have a lot of them. Yeah. Okay. All Sorry. right. My number one card. Uh, this, this card hits the uniqueness scale. I had to look this card up. This card hits the uniqueness scale. Oh, man, this is also okay. the card that's like just there at the $2 mark. Uh, and so Card Kingdom has some for sale for $188. It's old. So hopefully they don't get all bought out and then people get angry that this is a $2.25 card. But well, by I the mean, way, it's wor at this time of recording, you can buy it for under $2. And honestly, I think that it is a good pickup. And I'm going to talk about the card. Like you said, they're never going to reprint they're it. They're never going to reprint this. <laughs> this card is Quicksilver Fountain. It's an artifact. And for three mana, it says at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player puts a flood counter on target non-island land he or she controls. That land is an island as long as it has a flood counter on it. Not in addition to its other types. It's just an island <laughs> it just now. just turns it into an island. Yeah. At the end of turn, if all lands in play are, la are islands, remove all flood counters from them. So... At the beginning of each player's turn, they turn one of their lands into an island. 
Yeah. One of their non-island lands into an island. Yeah. So they can't just like make an island an island again. So by the way, and it also says that uh, if all lands in play are islands. So if you're playing a deck full of, by the way, this can go in any deck. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. have to do it too. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. You have to do it too. This can go in any deck, but I put it in the blue section because you don't want this to be a symmetrical effect where it's like destroying your mana base as it's destroying theirs. You want to be like, I need blue mana, so I don't care. Yeah. So you could just start. You can just have all islands, and then you don't add any flood counters, or who cares? You put a few flood counters down. But what does this do? It slowly chokes your opponent of it's their like utility a slow lands. Blood moon. Of their yeah, it's a <laughs> slow blood moon. Uh, but also, I love that it is like just slowly spreading islands. And by the way, this is a multiplayer game. People are not going to stop playing lands. They can't afford to. In other formats, you play this and people are like, oh my, uh, all right, I guess. And they stop playing a couple lands and then this thing goes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, this... this It doesn't go away. This it just doesn't sort of go resets away. the effect. It resets the effect. And by the way, if they're like, oh, I'm just going to blow it up. I blow that up. And they go to remove the flood counters mm-hmm. from their lands. No, no, those are <laughs> islands permanently. Unless you could remove the counters with other means, I guess. <laughs> if you could, like, you what's the flood is it like thief around? of blood or whatever? Oh, Vampire man. Hex Mage. I mean, that'd be pretty great. <laughs> thief, dude, you should play this with a thief of blood in your own deck. So you can t- <laughs> wombo combo. This- all right, I'm gonna give you guys all your lands back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, what do I like about this card? I like that it's a really what interesting like effect. <laughs> it is unique. Um, and it kind of answers some of the the wildness that exists in lands without being as mean as Blood Moon or Ruination. Right. Or some of the other effects that really try to keep lands in check. This uh, kind of tries to address the land problem in a completely different way. And I like that. Uh, and I also like the idea of slowing all of your opponents down and uh, being a little bit miserable as they have to decide which land to turn into an island. <laughs> and by the way, you might so happy about it. You might think you, I know you might think that if they're oh, like a lot of people play islands, like this isn't that good. Well, if they have islands, then and they're playing more than one color, which most people do. Most people don't play monocolor. So let's say they're playing an Azorius deck. They can't be flood countering their existing islands. So they right. have to start getting rid of all of their white mana slowly and cutting their deck off faster than your opponents do. Yeah, that's true. Because if you're like red green, you can be like, okay, on this one I yeah, place yeah, on I'm a mountain, do a... on this one I do it on a forest. But exactly. if you're like green or blue white, you're like, well, I have to put it on a plains this time. There goes my plains. white mana. Yeah, yeah, on a plains, on a plains, on a plains. Oh man. <laughs> uh, added bonus uh, if you play cards like uh, boil. Tsunami. But then again, it hits tsunami. you too. Tsunami. Yeah. Uh, um, and also throw in another bonus card, uh, Trophy Mage. Another budget card gets you your Quicksilver. It gets you your three CMC. Gets your three CMC artifacts. Gets your Quicksilver Fountain. Gets your Quicksilver Fountain. Okay. <laughs> wow. I don't, yeah, I think that would be pretty good. It's uh, it's more fun and unique than than really good. I think it can be amazing, has the potential to be amazing, but a lot of the cards on your list might be more immediately powerful, whereas Quicksilver Amulet might be more of a unique angle for a bunch Well, of you cards. did say that you weighted the uniqueness like, I did, at the yeah, top I for you, the so that makes sense. From first, yeah. All right, that's going to do it for our top budget blue cards. To the listeners, what is the budget, remember? We're staying under $2 here. What is the budget blue card that you love, but that we didn't talk about? There are a lot of them. My There's list was pretty long and I had to just cut stuff yeah. and it made me, made me sad. Yeah. 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 I had 
probably about 12 cards when, when I started. Mm -hmm. Future Sight got to go, so that was an easy cut. But Well, that means maybe we can do this again someday down the line. I, we could do another episode like right now and still, still <laughs> we need to we, gotta, we need to show the other colors some love before we come back to blue. And we so. got to focus on what we kind of think is the most important for your budget picks. Do you think blue would be the hardest color to do this for because there are so many? Because blue is like one of the most powerful. Maybe green would also be hard, but... I don't know. I've, I've done budget videos before mm -hmm. and I've found amazing stuff in all the colors. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, we I actually will... think there's good room to do all of them. Well, we're going to do all of them eventually oh, good. here. Oh, okay, so good. not, not, not like every episode from now. Like, we'll, <laughs> this we'll isn't like a 32 episode arc right there nah. for the next year. You're going to be <laughs> listening to, to cards under $2. Sorry, commanders brew. <laughs> we're taking over your, your niche here. Okay. Um, well, if you did like any of these cards and want to get a hold of them, like uh, DJ said, especially like Quicksilver Fountain or some of the older ones, you might want to go right now to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, use that affiliate link, order your cards simultaneously, support the show, support game nights. We do really appreciate everybody that does that. And, you know, if you're building a blue deck, if it's two color, then you might want Is It Sleeves, Simic Sleeves, Is Dorius Sleeves, or what's the other one? What did I forget? Um, Demir Sleeves. You might want those for your deck because they just look really, really cool. We have the Boros ones right here. Classy, elegant, very simple. And as we've shown, high durability. Okay, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I have something cool. I feel like every time an episode of this podcast comes out, then this that's the end step for, for me. N not our podcast, but the podcast I'm about to talk about. Okay. Because I've said this before on the show, this is my favorite podcast, including my own. So... <laughs> It's hard. I immediately know what it is. Yeah. yeah, it's hardcore history. I talk about it all the time. I have people tweet at me more or less constantly that they finally tried it out at my behest, and it's amazing. And a lot of people are like, I was skeptical because it's got the word history in it, and I don't like history. And I always say it shouldn't be called that. It should be called like something, some kind of store, something story. People stories. also get freaked out when it's like hardcore. It's like I'm only so-so on history, and this is hardcore history. Yeah, but. It's Really what it is, is it's his ability to tell a story, to get you in there, to in a time period. It really is like an audiobook. If you like audiobooks, mm -hmm. if you like listening to stories, to people read you stories or tell you stories, then you will like this stuff. And Dan Carlin, who's the guy that does Hardcore History, is just very, very good. Now, the story he's telling happens to be true, but he's great at like grounding it, explaining it, but also keeping it entertaining. He's not like a fuddy-duddy, he's not stuffy in any way. He will make comparisons to like pop culture stuff to kind of give you reference for what's Didn't going on. Didn't he joke on. around that he mentioned Avengers like three times? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he always talks about aliens. Like, well, imagine if aliens came down. It's kind of like that, you know, like that. it's, he's, he's very easy to relate to. So even if you don't like history or aren't hardcore into history, I would encourage you to try it out. And they just came out with a new episode. Um, and you didn't even know about it, DJ, because... And this was another reason to mention on the show is that they have two feeds. So on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, there's a hardcore history feed, but then there's a hardcore history addendum feed. And the addendum yeah. feed has the stuff that Dan, that is sort of like um, shorter or like a, a, not quite as in-depth as like, so what he'll do is he'll do these long series of podcasts and it'll be like four podcasts and each one's like a three hours long and the research like an, that yeah. goes into them and the effort that goes into crafting these things has to be insane he comes out with one like every four months like that's how how long it takes so it's like game nights on steroids they're great those are the ones that are like audiobooks but he also there's stories in history or things that have happened that 
they don't require that amount of time and he wants to be able to tell those stories too and take a break from the really long stuff and so he has this addendum feed and that's where you can find some of his other stuff and uh on this this one's called nightmares of indianapolis have you ever seen jaws i mean yes there's that great scene in jaws where like the the boat captain is talking about he was on the uss indianapolis and that's oh for a second i thought you were talking about the city i was like where is Josh going with this? Sorry, it's the it's the it's a ship, the USS <laughs> yeah, Indianapolis. It was torpedoed near the end of World War II, and the trials and tribulations of those sailors. Oh my god! It's one of the great sort of shark attack stories in recorded history. In that this ship goes down in tropical waters, and these guys aren't like freezing to death. They're out there though, and they were on a secret mission because they were carrying the parts to the A bomb. I'm and, feeling and so, like, I know the story. Yeah. I'm like feeling nauseous. Like as you're describing it, that's how like, like, oh my gosh, like this story. It's crazy. And they just basically, their ship goes down. There's like 1200 of these guys on the ship. They don't all survive when the torpedo hits, but uh, uh, hundreds of them make it out. And then they're in the middle of a school of sharks, literally. And nobody knows they're there to, I mean, nobody knows exactly where they are to come rescue them. And they're there for days. And it's a crazy, crazy true story. So hardcore history Dan Carlin doing great stuff. It's really compelling. Um, if you haven't listened to it before, I always say this, check out the Blueprints for Armageddon series. That is his best one. And it's available still for free on iTunes. So check that stuff out. Another thing to check out while you're on iTunes is the Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they are modern masters. And they talk about that format and all things competitive magic. They've started doing video recently. They're also helping me out a little bit with this Chalice event because I have to build this like are you a, bringing in ringers, Josh? Well, I mean, I don't know about modern decks and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. Like, can I can I build twin? Can I build pod? Like, what can I build here? I don't know. Like, help me, guys. What what Wait, can you can you build pod yeah. and twin in this in this deck? Yeah, because you can't version? build full modern. We're drafting the sets. So at well, the I know, end but of this, like if it's modern band, because pod's banned in modern. Right. Can it's not you, it's not the modern build? bad list. It's just you can use any card. You should build pod. Well, I only have four I'm only gonna have four sets to work with. So well, which one's pot in? That's one. Second. I have M11 and <laughs> Innistrad right now, and I'll have two more. So it's, you can't build like a full modern deck. No, you, you can't. can build like an approximation one. And so now it's a question of like, what deck has the most moving pieces that I can move in from other sets that are like close approximations, so the deck still is good. Yeah, can you in, can, you can put four ofs though in right of any of those sets? Yeah, the oh, any of the four sets that I. This have. is an interesting puzzle. You should yeah. make sure that you're following Josh on Twitter so you can see how he puts this deck together. Well, a lot of it is Alex and Ben because I'm like, <laughs> guys, I built commander decks. I really am not sure. And they're like, oh, you should do this and you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. And I was like, okay, well, which one should I do? <laughs> and so there's an entire uh, text message discussion thread every single day about what I should do. But anyway, those guys, they know their stuff. You That's can an awesome charity event. It's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for it. So you can check out Alex and Ben at the MMCast on Twitter or right next to us at collected.company. All right, our editor is Josh Murphy. Murph! Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card animations at Living Cards MTG. Do you know what Thousand card this is? Thousand Year Storm! Thousand Year Storm. <laughs> That's, that, that was uh, the lightning. That was, that was the thunder. Was oh, that was the thunder. Yeah, I, was, I was doing the thunder sound. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Thank you, Jeffrey, as that always. That looks awesome, Jeffrey. It up. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. 
or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.